you sure that you want to use your ex-boss as a referee? Because I was bound by confidentiality, I wasn't able to reveal to my client that her boss actually didn't think that highly of her and her boss was glad that her role had been made redundant. All I could do was hint as strongly as I could that it wasn't a good idea to use her as a referee. But my hints didn't work and my client, let's call her Lou, was insistent that her boss would say good things about her and she used her name in the four or so jobs that she was then interviewed for. Lou was one of those real, very rare naturals at interviews and so I'd expected her to pick up a job pretty quickly but she was unsuccessful in all of the jobs she applied for. Finally, a recruiter told her bluntly that her former boss was quote, stabbing her in the back and destroying her chances. This is my most vivid memory of how important it is to manage your referees properly. But I'm not surprised by a 2018 article from the Northeastern University in the USA, which found that many job seekers regard references as an afterthought, even though, quote, eight in 10 HR executives report consistently contacting employee references and 73% of employers indicated that the references had a significant impact on their decision to hire. Now, I'd never considered creating a podcast about this topic because I thought it would be boring to talk about and boring to listen to. But then I noticed that our 60-second video on the topic was getting lots of hits. And then I also remembered that when I talk about this issue to my clients, I usually have their full attention. So here goes with 10 tips so that you don't fall at the last hurdle of your job search campaign. Welcome to Career Chinwags for the 21st Century. I'm a career practitioner who's worked with thousands of clients over the past 20 years, so I've had quite a bit of time to think about career issues. Each podcast, I pick up on an issue that takes my fancy. Some will be extremely practical, such as episode 11, where I talk about how to write a great cover letter. Other episodes tend to cover more big picture topics, such as Podcast 24, where I use marketing advice from the world's top business experts to help you stay front of mind in your target market. In today's episode, I'm going to give you very practical and very simple advice about how to manage your referees. Tip number one, choose carefully. The general advice is to have five or six referees in your repertoire, but offer only two or three that you carefully match to the job you're applying for. Typically, you're expected to use your current boss, or of course, if you're already left, your most recent boss. But of course, sometimes that's not possible, or sometimes you don't want to. You may not want your current boss to be aware that you're planning to leave, or you may think that your current boss may not talk very favorably about you. If that's the case, if you can't use your current boss, what you're going to need to do is find someone else who's senior to you in your organisation who can comment in detail about your work, or you select a boss from a previous position. Sometimes you can back up your current boss, former boss, with some key clients or some key colleagues of yours. You can't use anyone from your personal life, for example, a priest or a sports coach, Perhaps the only time you can is if you're straight out of school and you have no work experience. 
If that's the case, it's often all you can do. Tip number two, make sure you get explicit agreement from your referees. The best option is for you to set up a quick meeting with your referee. Take your resume along with you and show them exactly what you're laying claim to line by line. Here, it's important that you watch their body language for any signs of discomfort because many people aren't brave enough to tell you to your face that they don't agree with your claims. They may nod, they may smile and then contradict you later when they're asked by the prospective employer. It's better for you if you can assess their real response when they're in front of you and then respond accordingly, perhaps, for example, by removing them from your referee list. Tip number three, master the process. Once you're comfortable that your referees will represent you well, give them a copy of your resume and then brief them about each and every role as it comes up. Email them the position description so that if they want to, they can review it and they can consider what they might say in advance. On a practical note, if your referee lives overseas, the reference checker needs to be comfortable with setting up a Zoom or a phone call, obviously. These days, that shouldn't be a problem, but give the reference checker in your time zone the appropriate contact times so that your referee in the other time zone is not dragged from their sleep in the middle of the night. Tip number four, don't include referee details on your resume. Many of my clients are quite surprised initially at this advice, but this is really important. Unless you are specifically required to do so in the application process, use the phrase referees supplied upon request, or if you just leave the referee details out of your resume, the reader will understand that they need to contact you separately for these details. It's a matter of politeness because you may end up sending out lots of copies of your resume as you apply for roles or as you register with recruiters or with job boards. And that means if you put your referee details on the resume, your referees could be contacted at any time without you being able to alert them. So just imagine they're out shopping and they get some phone call from a stranger out of the blue while they're in aisle number 11. The first time it happens, it's a minor nuisance. But each subsequent time is likely to annoy them more and more. It's not a good idea to annoy your referees. It's also a matter of control, because given that you can never really control what your referees say about you, I think it's important that the first impression you make on the recruiter comes from your face-to-face -face performance at the interview, not from what somebody else says about you. Tip number five, manage exceptions. There are times when you either want or have to include referee details on your resume. The most common is with government and not-for-profit because generally this application process requires you to supply the information. If this is the case, it's a bit of a judgment call. If you think you can get away with it, list the name of your referees but don't put in the contact details. If they've been clear in the application process that you must include contact details, obviously do, but 
request that they advise you before they contact the referee. The other time when you might want to include referees on your resume is if you have outstanding or famous referees. Because obviously if you do, you want your reader to know that such important and impressive people are probably going to be saying nice things about you. What you can do in this instance is detail the name and the position of these referees, but don't put any contact details in. Tip number six, present the details well. It seems embarrassingly obvious to say that you shouldn't supply incorrect or out-of-date contact details. But beyond this basic advice, make sure that you present the information so that it looks good. What we do with our clients is we put all that information on a separate document and we use the same font and the same layout as their resume and we space the content so it sits well on the page. One of the best examples I can remember seeing was from an executive client and what he did is for each referee, he clearly outlined the relationship and the type of professional interaction that they had. Tip number seven, contact your referees immediately. You can't possibly know when the employer will start the reference checking process. One of my clients once flew to Darwin for a job interview. By the time he got back to Adelaide, the employer had already called his referees. So make sure you phone your referees immediately after the interview. Tip number eight, corral your referees. You don't want to tell your referees what to say, but it could possibly be that the last time you worked together was a long time ago. So jogging their memory about genuine achievements could actually be helpful to them as well as to you. Here's the sort of thing you could say. Hi, Susie. John Smith from ABC Companies just interviewed me for that blah, blah, blah role I mentioned to you, and they've asked for your details, so they're probably going to give you a call. Now, if you know Susie well and you have a close relationship with her, you'd then say something like, Susie, in the interview, they were focusing on customer service, the ability to influence others, and leadership. Now, in relation to customer service, do you remember that time when we had that terrible problem with our largest client and I? Dot, dot, dot. And then you remind Susie of a specific example of when you showed excellent customer service. And you would go on to remind her about the specifics relating to the other two qualities that they were obviously focusing on in your interview. If your relationship with Susie is more formal, you'd be much more considered in how you frame this reminder. So you might say something like, would you feel comfortable talking about that issue we had with our largest client? And then still go on to prompt your referee, of course, about what you did to solve that problem. So you just use more reserved language. Now, often in the interview, they ask that terrible but very common question, tell us a weakness. If that's happened in the interview, you might want to consider telling your referee how you answered it. And the purpose of doing that is that if the reference checker asks your referee the same question about you, they might consider giving the same one that you gave in the interview. And that means your reference checker is only hearing one negative quality about you. This is a very delicate matter, though. You really need to think carefully about whether you want to risk prompting your referee 
to think about a negative in relation to you. And it may make sense to do this with some referees and not other referees. Good luck with that one. Tip number nine, avoid written testimonials. If you're a professional or an executive, you cannot turn up to an interview clutching some fading piece of paper from an earlier life. It smacks of desperation. Don't do it. What you can do instead is use the testimonials function on LinkedIn to your advantage because you can be sure that most employers are going to check out your profile on LinkedIn. I don't remember talking about this part of LinkedIn on any other podcast, but even if I have, I think it's really important to repeat it here. When it comes to testimonials, I always recommend to my clients that they have at least six, because if you have any less, many people, including cynical Australians, would say, hmm, I'm sure we could all find somebody to say nice things about us, and they may not take any notice of your testimonials. I think as soon as you have six and maybe a few more, it gets very hard to ignore. I have lots, but that's because I'm a consultant, so I'm not recommending you have as many as what I have. But what happens when you have enough is that a theme starts to emerge. And this theme, if it's a good theme, which presumably it is, it is a third-party testimonial to your interview performance, your resume claims, and what your referee says about you. If I look at mine... I think the theme that comes through is Catherine does things properly, and I'm happy about that. The other benefit of having lots of testimonials on LinkedIn is that once you have a theme, you can start to introduce different sub-themes according to what you want to have on your profile. So some of my more recent testimonials, I asked people to talk about the career consultancy, not just me, because of course I'm selling the whole practice. Coming back to hard copy references, if you're applying for a frontline role or a graduate role, it is more acceptable to bring along a written reference with you. And often, sometimes when you're at this stage of your life, having them with you at the interview gives you a bit more confidence. But by the way, to finish off this tip, it's actually really difficult to get a written testimonial from an employer these days for various reasons. So written references are actually becoming a bit of a non-issue. And the final tip Tackle awkward referees. Sometimes a prospective employer contacts someone outside of your referee list and then confronts you with some unfavourable feedback. The important thing is to not lose your call and obviously think furiously and quickly on your feet. So think of something positive to say about the referee and then offer a calm but persuasive rebuttal. So something like this. Let's say the referee's name is John. John and I did some strong work together on introducing lean techniques into the company. After that, I think we differed on the best way to get our team to follow through with those new techniques. I'm comfortable with the approach I was recommending. And then you provide a countering referee from the same organisation who can back up your comments. To finish off, I'm going to state the obvious again. Keep in contact with your referees. Just like you, they can be moving to different roles in different organisations and you never know when you may need to contact them again. Again, to state the obvious, say thank you regardless of the outcome and keep them up to date with what happens. 
In today's competitive job market, where it's very easy to get lost amongst virtual stacks of resumes, quality referees could be the difference between job and no job. So take control and get it under control. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like what you've heard, I'd love it if you could share the podcast or leave a review. At this stage, I'm doing a podcast every few weeks, and next episode, I'm going to talk about nine killer resume statistics and how you can use these statistics to create a persuasive, attractive selling document. Remember, if you want to review what we've talked about, check out the full show notes at careerconsult.com.au. There you can find a full article on the topic, an infographic or a video that summarise the different elements, and there'll be links to any tools or resources that I've talked about. I'll repeat that, careerconsult.com.au. And I do a mail-out once a fortnight of a video, a blog, or an infographic. If you're interested, you'll find a sign-up form on the website or contact us at admin at careerconsult.com.au. As always, I'm going to finish with the hashtag, hashtag, why not be happy at work? (music) 